Good morning, Alpine. How you doing? All right. Well, it's so funny how there's like this uh, internal clock in each of you, and you like know when to when to stop talking. Uh, it has nothing to do with me coming up here. It had nothing to do with the band. You guys just stopped, and I followed your lead. That's pretty crazy. I want to welcome those of you online too that have no idea what I'm talking about because you weren't here. But um, anyway, I am Chris Brown. I'm one of our pastors here at Alpine Chapel. I'm our executive pastor, and I normally behind the scenes, so you don't see me a whole lot, a lot of doing operations, a lot of things that are not as fun. Uh, for most people, I actually like them, and every once in a while, they let me out of the cage. Uh, last time they let me out of the cage, it was Labor Day. So they let me out of the cage on the biggest Sundays. They really think that, you know what, Chris is going to take over the biggest Sunday. Labor Day is such a big weekend in church world, and the week of Thanksgiving is such a big week in the church world, so... There you go. But um, we are here. We're in week one of a series that we're titling The Holiday Hustle. Anyone starting to feel it? The Holiday Hustle, starting to think about through Christmas decorations and Christmas parties are going on the calendar and now starting to run some of those crazy holiday errands. And of course, we know that this weekend is the official launch of the holidays because, well, Deer Park put their lights up. And so that's when we know it's official. Um, but um, anyway, so we're here in Holiday Hustle. And before we get into that, we're going to be in actually the book of Luke today, Luke chapter 17. And today's sermon title is entitled, Be the One. Look to your neighbor and say, Be the One. Be the One. Before we get there, a couple things I want to share with you. Uh, one is in reference to last week. Last week, if you were here at church, you um, really enjoyed a time of obviously with worship, but uh, Pastor Josh was leading us in worship, did a great job doing that. But he also led us in a time of prayer. I don't know if you remember that, where everyone wrote down a prayer request, and I just want to follow up on that. You know, sometimes you ask for those moments, and there's like 15 cards handed in, and it's uh, prayer requests that are like, um, please pray for my neighbor's, 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 neighbor's dog has a fever. And you're like, oh, that's great. Okay, we'll pray for that. And, you know, and, but this time was different. And I just want to make it a notable time in our church history and just call it out that 270 of you among all three services decided you weren't only going to engage in that moment, but you were going to reveal some very messy stuff in your lives. And I just want to, I want to call it out that there is some messy stuff going on behind the, the clean facades, and uh, there's some messiness in our church. And I have two things I want to communicate to you is, one, be lifting each other up in prayer. You have no idea what's happening in people's lives that are sitting all around you. And the biggest thing I want to communicate is just thank you. Thank you for being transparent. That's where growth happens, being vulnerable, being open and honest, and trusting this staff to lift you up in prayer. This last Thursday, we had a prayer and worship night. I'm not sure who was there and who wasn't there, but it was a powerful time. And over half of the time, we were spent lifting you up in prayer. And then some of you guys turned in some celebrations, some praises. And we celebrated your praises. And so I just want you to know that we're going to continue to pray for you. And I wanted you to know that we don't take that lightly. So that happened last week, and it happened during the week. And we're going to continue to pray for you. And I, just, I didn't want to just blow by that real fast, because I want you to continue to trust us, that we're going to lift you up to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, that was last week. Last time I was up here was September 1st on that Labor Day, and uh, we, I preached a sermon called Kingdom Over Finances. 
And it was at the tail end of our Kingdom Over Everything series. And uh, part of what I do is I'm very involved in the finances. I'm very involved in the operations here at Alpine Chapel. And at the end of that uh, sermon, I had said to you, uh, that I'm very proud of our finances here at this church. And I gave you a little bit of a state of the finances or a state of the union, state of finance kind of thing. And uh, gave you some just some brief notes about our finances and just told you I was really proud to be part of our church. I've been here for nine months, seven months at the time, nine months now. And I'm now giving you another update that we are completely bankrupt. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. There's the, there's the, I just was trying to get your attention. <laughs> Some of you, when I say finances, I saw you gloss over, so I was trying to get your attention. I pulled you back. No, we're still doing great, and I'm still super proud. But I had told you, uh, yes, very good. I, I want to put some meat to the bones a little bit on that and give you some more. <laughs> you guys are like, some of you are like, still like shocked. No, I promise, don't misquote me. We're not going bankrupt. But I told you that I was going to put out some kind of a formal um, numbers for you to be able to review those of you that care. Some of you don't care, and that's fine. You've only been gone for a couple months. You don't really care. But some of you really deeply care. You've been here for 25 years and would love to know. Where's the money spent? How are we doing with all of our numbers? And um, we are supposed to know the condition of our flocks. And so we do measure those things. And so I am pleased to tell you that starting this week, we will have on the website a full-fledged annual recap of 2018-2019 year. Yes. Some of the highlights... I uh, just want to share someone with you. Uh, average attendance is right around that 900 mark, an increase of 16% growth in attendance, 24 baptisms, uh, 5,800 people here on campus during Easter, which is a 313% increase over the year before. 15, we'll just go right by that one. Uh, 1,556 people here at Christmas, which is a 7% increase over the previous Christmas. Uh, local and national partnerships, all that will be listed right there on the uh, annual reports. And then probably my favorite part is I get asked a lot, how do we spend the money? Actually, not a lot. You guys are very trusting, which is great. But when I am asked, I'm so thankful to say how the money is spent. Here's your, here's your breakdown, macro breakdown. Those of you that are really into numbers, you can go and get the minor de details later. But ministry operations, that means ministry. That means women's ministry, youth ministry, kids' ministry, groups, everything you can think of when it comes to ministry. 20% of all uh, income goes towards that, and uh, that is right around the national average. Uh, staffing is 49%, and that is right in the middle of the national average. Normal is 40 to 60, would be normal, and we like right in the middle. We feel like 40% is too lean, and you're not developing and discipling people well. You're just having an event on the weekend. And 60%, you're a little fat and inefficient. So we like to be right in the middle. Uh, facilities, 19%. That's utilities. That's maintenance. That's cleaning. That's everything in between. That's desk chairs. That's tables. That's conference rooms. That's renovations. All that kind of stuff. And then outreach. 12% goes to missions and outreach. That doesn't affect Alpine at all. No strings attached. Just giving money away. We want to model that corporately, what we, we know the Bible tells us to do personally. So we want to model that, and we give above 10%. And then my favorite category of all. You're like, no, it's not up there. It's a category that is 0%, and it is the category that we spend on debt, 0% on debt. So very, very proud of our numbers. I wanted to make sure I shared that with you. Anytime the executive pastor gets up, it's kind of just I want to tell you uh, about a couple times a year where we're doing financially so you guys can feel comfortable with your investment here at Alpine. One of the things I am asked, though, is uh, sometimes is, hey, is there any red flags, any yellow flags, anything on the horizon that we need to be worried about? And I would just be honest and transparent with you real quick. Um, 
Just so you know, there's about $1.7 million that come into, which is a very healthy giving for a church our size. But there are two-thirds of that is given by a handful of families. And so I'm just telling you, like, it's, it, it might be time for some of you guys to maybe get off the bench and participate a little bit. You don't have to. Don't feel manipulated. It's a, God says he wants a cheerful giver. And if you break down the word cheerful in the Bible, it says hilarious giver. That means like, <laughs> I get to give today. Isn't that amazing? Like, that's how we should give. And if you can't give that way, don't. But I uh, just wanted to tell you, I'm telling you everything I know. Uh, so that gives you some macro details or just the macro uh, information about our finances here at Alpine. So with that, one more announcement. We're kind of sneaking announcements into the teaching too, as you can tell. Uh, too many announcements today. One of them is our greatest gift. Uh, this year at Christmas time, we're thinking through our greatest gift. And uh, one of the, one of the, a couple of us uh, had a conversation about um, what kind of gifts are you going to give this Christmas? And we were talking about, uh, for me, I was talking about an iPhone for my kid, uh, for uh, my middle son, Jack, which pray for me, it's one more kid with technology. I don't know why I'm sabotaging myself like that. But one of our, I don't know what your greatest gift is. Maybe it's a $30 gadget. Maybe it's a car or I don't know who it's for. Whatever your greatest gift is. And we were challenged, a couple of us were challenged on staff that our greatest gift should be to God this year. And so for us, we were kind of challenged. We said, well, you know what? That might be a good challenge. Not feel anyone feel any pressure, but a good challenge for us to pray through as a church that our greatest gift would go to God. So we are going to have a greatest gift offering on the 15th and the 22nd coming up in a few weeks. And I just ask you to pray about that. Okay. We're going to have, a, and our goal is $200,000 that we'd receive in and we would give it all away. It all go towards hope out local, local and, uh, and uh, international. So it's, it's, it's uh, not for our staff bonuses, I promise, but it's just for us to be able to um, be able to do, uh, deliver more hope and our greatest gift go to God. So wanted you to know that as well. So here we are in Thanksgiving time. That means a lot to different people. For some of you, it may mean uh, in a few days, you're going to eat yourself into a food coma and you can't wait taking that big long nap. For some of you, it's avoiding that awkward political conversation with your Aunt Edna. For some of you, it's maybe a little bit of resentfulness that you've got to work when everyone else doesn't. For some of you, it's all about fantasy football on that Thursday. And for some of you, it's preparing and strategizing for the most insane shopping day of the year, Black Friday. I'm not sure what Thanksgiving means to you. And for some of you, it's all about, ooh, we get to break out some good Thanksgiving jokes. So I thought I would. <laughs> Why did the police arrest the turkey? They suspected foul play. They get better, folks. I just wish I had a drummer up here. Anyway, why did the turkey play the drums in the band? He already had drumsticks. Oh, what's up now? My kids are like so cringing right now. If your great-grandmother could see you making boxed mashed potatoes, she would roll over in her gravy. If April showers bring Mayflowers, then what do Mayflowers bring? Pilgrims. Oh, some of you caught off guard. Pretty witty. Family told me to stop telling Thanksgiving jokes. They just come to, Dad, quit. I said, no, I can't quit cold turkey. And the most epic quote by the great philosopher Kevin James. Thanksgiving, man, not a great day to be my pants. 
<clears throat> anyway, whether it's football, whether it's jokes, whether it's Black Friday, my goal is the next 20 minutes or so together that we would not forget. We would leave here with a proper understanding of what this holiday is all about. That we wouldn't go past it and go straight to commercialism and go to Christmas. That we'd really understand this is a time of gratitude. So today, the title is Be the One. Be the One. Thursday night of this week, uh, I picked up my kids from school at uh, 3 o'clock. I you normally pick up my kids at school, and my, my wife, uh, sometimes she picks, up, picks them up with me. And for me, the childhood that I came from, uh, abuse shelters and several violent fathers going to jail and sleeping underneath bridges and that kind of childhood, I, I'm always... Um, taken back by how used to or how familiar my kids are to both mom and dad picking them up. And it's not their fault, but a lot of times it goes without any gratitude. Uh, so this particular day, I went on Thursday, and they, they all got in the car. Not only did they all get in the car, they brought a friend. So three kids, and they all brought friends. And so we got this car filled with friends. We're going home because later on we're going to come back to a game at 6 o'clock. And so everyone comes home. All these kids come to my house. And immediately they get out of the car and they go run inside. And where do they go? Straight to the refrigerator. You guys are smart people. You've been there, done that, right? You feel my pain. So they go and they just literally destroy the kitchen. And they're running everywhere. Dogs are barking. And I'm like, oh, I'm just so glad that I'm the place that everyone, all the kids want to go. It's kind of like a, you're glad about it, but you're not. Um, and I'm like, oh, good. We have three more hours until six o'clock till we leave. So for me, I needed a little bit of relief. So we left early. I'm like, I'm going to get y'all ice cream, which is the worst thing to do for three athletes about to play basketball. So we go and play, we go get, uh, we go get ice cream and all of them. And, uh, we go to the game and then at the game that we got two of them, uh, all three of them play basketball. And then the, my little girl play cheerleads after she plays basketball. And, uh, during all these games, all of them are asking for concessions money which I know you guys have never been there before. Uh, and uh, normally I'd give about $5 each. But this time I gave $8 each. Ooh, I was feeling extra generous. And I did that, and they were allowed to buy sugar, which I don't allow, usually allow, so they're getting Skittles and Mountain Dews and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, I'm not a good parent right now. And um, then they play their game. At 9.21, after the games are over, they come to us and say, hey, can we play a little bit of pickup games afterwards? on the court. And I'm like, I'm so tired. Went straight from work to that, to that, to that. And um, so then we play pickup basketball until 10 o'clock. At 10 o'clock, we're on our way home. And one of them asks, hey, dad, can we go to Taco Bell? <laughs> and I'm like, when is it going to end? I'm like, and I finally had to say no. I had the audacity to say no. They looked at me like I had three eyes. No? Like N-O? Like, wow. And y'all, they were so mad at me for saying no. And I'm trying to explain myself to them, and they cannot fathom what could be going through my skull that I would say no. And I'm in the middle of explaining myself when I hear the door shut on the Tahoe. Now, they didn't slam. They weren't throwing a fit. They were just, okay. And they moved on. And they're like just, and I'm like sitting here in an empty Tahoe just going, that was like the most discouraging moment ever. Like I did all that and I feel bad. 
And I'm just waiting for one of them to come back. I'm like, please, one of them come back, two of them come back, just so they understand what that looked like. And then Jesus goes, hey, Chris, I want to remind you of a passage in the scriptures. And it's found in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. And he kind of whispered in my ear, Chris, it's not just kids. Adults do that too. So I want us to look at Luke 17, 11 through 19. But before we do, I want us to pray. God, we come to you right now and we're asking for you to speak to us in a powerful way. God, there's lots of distractions in this world, lots of distractions right now. I pray, God, that you would allow us to focus in on you. God, may our worship continue, not just in praise and worship, not just in communion, but in just studying who you are, how you work, and what you want for us. May it be a love offering back to you. I pray that you'd speak to us in a powerful way as a loving father, not filled with guilt and shame, but just a healthy awareness of you trying to make us more like you. God, we open up our hearts to you. Speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you guys could please stand with me as we read the word. As you know, scripture is our guide. That's one of our values. Look to a neighbor and say, scripture is our guide. Scripture is our guide. And we're going to pick up Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. Now, I'm going to chop this up. We're going to kind of go slow through this because if you just read it once and just go through it fast, you're going to miss a lot of the nutrients. So we're going to break it up and kind of go through it a little bit slowly so we can suck all the nutrients out of it. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, he's about halfway to Jerusalem, Jesus is who we're talking about, traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into the village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. Now, pause. These are people with lots of urgency. Obviously, they've got leprosy. They've got a lot of urgency. They're like, they're going to him before he can even freshen up. Before he can even freshen up from the fatigue of the trip. He's going, it's almost like going into the house and boom, you guys have been there before and everyone's coming at you with a bunch of requests. That's kind of what's happening here. They stood at a distance The reason why is because they had leprosy, and they weren't allowed to go close to people who didn't have leprosy. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice. I mean, there's lots of urgency. Lots of, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go. Pause. A lot of times when we want something from God, he doesn't just do it. He puts an action verb next. He says, go do something because he wants to test our faith. Go. He says, go show yourselves to the priest. You may be saying, what in the world is that all about? The first time I read this, I wondered what it was about. After doing some research, I realized that the priests are the ones who actually would say, confirm whether you have been cured or whether you haven't of any kind of disease, especially leprosy. So what he's saying is go to the priest so they can measure whether or not you have leprosy or not. Can you think through how weird and absurd that is? He's asked people that are very clear, clearly filled with leprosy to go and be confirmed on whether they have leprosy or not. Uh, it's pretty obvious, Jesus. But check this out. So cool. It's such an absurd request. Then it goes on to say, and as they went. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if we obeyed that easy? <clears throat> that's not the main point of the sermon today, but that's a very absurd request. And as they went, I can't help but think here that 
How many times we are paralyzed when it comes to our walk with God because we don't know what his concealed will is. We don't know what he's trying to tell us. But as you see here, these 10, they focused on his revealed will. They knew what he had to do. There's so many things that are in the Bible that we know to do that we could do while we're waiting for his concealed will. We could be working on his revealed will, right? Go, show yourself to the priest. And as they went, it's like, okay, then they went. That's so weird to me that they actually went. I'd be like, what? They were cleansed. They were blessed for their obedience. Now, here's where Thanksgiving comes in. One of them, everyone say one. One One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, came back before he even was confirmed pure. He came back before he was even given the results, before he was ever given the prize of I am now a pure, I'm official, I'm not a leper. Came back before that, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Question for all of us, myself included. When's the last time we just threw ourselves at his feet? How many times are we thanking God like, hey, God, thanks for the food, amen, right? But we were so, so familiar. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Here's the catch. And he was a Samaritan. That is the point right there. And he was a Samaritan. You guys, the other nine were Jews. They were very used to or familiar with Christian teachings, with Jesus and his miracles. The Samaritan was not. I think you see where I'm going here. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? He's asking this almost sarcastically because this was such a, uh, um, a sin that was so rampant in those days. See, it's not just today. It was rampant back then where you're so familiar and you're not grateful. So he's just like, we're not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. You guys can have a seat. Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. They may confuse you, that last line. But the other ones were already made well. They were cleansed. So everyone, I don't get it. What? There's two words there that uh, we have to break down and we have to translate a little bit further. That word faith. Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. That actually is better translated into thankfulness. Your gratitude or your thankfulness has made you well. And that word well, what does that mean? Because the other ones were made well too, Chris. When this says they were cleansed there in the scriptures, that word cleansed is more of a temporal cleansing. It's more of a superficial cleansing. It's more of just the external. When he says he's made you well, it's like he's made you whole. And he's made you whole from the inside. How many of us would say that, you know what, on the outside, we don't have leprosy. We don't have a disease. We've got pretty good health. We've been cleansed. But how many of us have an unrest in our soul? And that unrest, maybe we're not well or maybe we're not whole. And the reason why very well could be a lack of, not faith, a lack of a faith that's wrapped in gratitude. I don't know who's who. I don't know where you're at with this today. But for me, this I'm sitting in the Tahoe and then like, boom, it hit me. It's not just kids. It's us as human beings. It's here. We have flesh on. So I just wanted to ask myself the question. I'm going to ask you the question too. Why do we struggle with this? It's such a disgusting sin, isn't it? Ingratitude. 
You're like, Chris, I never choose gratitude. But check this out. If you don't choose gratitude, by default, you're choosing ingratitude. It's just, it's, it's, it's who we are as humans. And so we've got to make sure that we are staying filled up. So why do we struggle in this area? And I've got three reasons. And you just pick which one is yours. And maybe you're a combination of all three. I know I was. Number one is we're too distracted, especially in America, too distracted, filled with so much ambition. Some of that ambition is good ambition. Some of it is not. Some of it's shallow ambition. And maybe it even has gone manifested itself into greed. Technology is another distraction. Hobbies, a distraction. It doesn't matter what the distraction is. Maybe it's a really brand new relationship where you're all about them and they become an idol in your life. I don't know what it is for you. The point is that because of the distractions, we have no margin. And when you have no margin, it's easy for you to forget on to be grateful for each other, grateful for things, grateful for family, and of course, grateful for God as well, grateful for your health. Just this week, my wife and I, we're running around 100 miles an hour. We've, we run a farm. We've got farm animals. We've got three Airbnb cabins on the farm. Our kids are involved in football, baseball, basketball, cheerleading. Uh, three kids going all different directions. Uh, got a lot going on in our life. We both travel a lot. We both work several jobs. We both work out of town. We both do a lot. And we were actually contemplating getting another miniature donkey this week. They're so cute. Don't laugh at me. They're so cute. And I, what are we doing? We do not need a miniature donkey. And we were actually contemplating that. Thank you, sir. So we do this to ourselves all the time. We just fill that little bit of margin. We get a little bit of margin and we fill it. We get a little bit of margin and we fill it when it comes to time, when it comes to money, when it comes to relationships. And ambition, when it comes to ambition, it's a moving target. Those of you that have lived a while, you know this. When it comes to finances, oh, if I could just make $15,000 a year. As soon as you get there, what do you think? You want to make 17, you want to make 19, 20, you make 80. And then sometimes you get, some of you have gotten to the point where you make two or $300,000 a year, and it's like, now it's like, yeah, but if I could only make 600. It just never changes. And some of you that make 40 or $50,000, you think that's insane, but once you, you don't know unless you get there. I talk to these people all the time. They're like, no, if we could just have this much, then we could pay off our house, then we could do this. It's like, why haven't you paid off your house already? You know what I'm saying? Like, we just, it just keeps on going and keeps on going. It's this moving target. Oh, I can't wait till I get that corner office or I'm respected by my peers. Then when you are, it's like, I wish I could be respected by this group of people. It's a moving target. There's nothing wrong with ambition, but you can have ambition, just the ambition can't have you. You see, you can have ambition with contentment in your soul. You see, contentment in your soul is a, it's a, it's a um, condition of your heart while you're moving forward. It's a peace in your heart, but the ambition for us, a lot of us are so distracted because we're so have no margin, and we're distracted. But where do you possibly see this in your life? Would you be the nine, or would you be the one? Would it be because of distraction? Would it not? I don't know. Another reason is we're too, and maybe this is you, maybe it's not, too self-absorbed or too entitled, too entitled. Gosh, it gets a little tense in the room when I talk about entitlement. Like, no, we're not. There's just so much evidence that we're entitled people. Let's just go ahead and own it. Who would say that you show some signs of entitlement? <laughs> you guys don't even want to raise your hand. Everyone's like this, right? It's not something we want to own up to at all. Let me give you an example. I was in, uh, on a plane uh, October 19th of this year, okay, just a little while ago, going to Dallas. And I was going back to my coach seat. <clears throat> so 
I was walking through the first class, and normally I'm okay with that. Normally I handle that well. But this particular day, I was looking to my right and looking to my left, and the people that were sitting in first class, these rich people, looked a little too smug for me. Had a little bit too smug of a look on their face, a little too comfortable, a little bit too much leg room, and got their drink with their pinkies up. And I was just about to slap them in Jesus' name. <laughs> I go back and I sit in my seat, uh, 18A. How sexy is that, right? And I go back and I sit there, and Jesus, literally like a loving father, decided he was just going to slap me around a little bit. And he said, hey, Chris, can you please just adjust that personal air conditioner that you have right above you? You know, it's right next to that reading light in case you need it. And Chris, do you want those armrests to be up or do you want them to be down? And hey, just so you know, where, you, where do you want to put that $1,000 laptop? Oh, right there in that nice little pouch that's provided for you. And then, hey, guess what? Just so you know, there's going to be somebody coming by in just a minute who's going to take your order. And then they're going to go make it for you. Then they're going to bring it back to you. Then they're going to come back and they're going to remove your trash or discard your items. And Chris, all of this is happening while you are going 550 miles an hour for 664 miles. You're going to get to Dallas in an hour and a half at 31,000 feet in a metal tube. <laughs> all while you're texting back and forth with your wife through Wi-Fi. And hey, Chris, you can go number one and number two on this puppy. <laughs> A little bit of a slap in the face. Chris, you're rich. Entitled. When does it become normal that we can go 550 mile an hour in a metal tube? What? Are you crazy? We all have this little bit of entitlement inside of us. When I went to Haiti this summer with Pastor Dave and the team, I couldn't help but think of how hard they work for their income. And then here in America, that a typical family... I don't know what that means nowadays. The families all look different, but let's just say a family of, uh, you know, four or five people based on the average salary in America and moderate living, one person can work 40 hours a week out of 168 hours that are available to them and provide for five human beings. One person can work for 40 out of 168 and provide enough provision for, for five human beings and then in Haiti, how hard they work just for a dollar a day. We've become entitled. We don't have to feel guilty about it, but we just have to be grateful for it. There's a great article written on this. We, we live in a nation where everyone is on the pursuit of their own happiness. And the primary form of seeking happiness is through the accumulation of things. Materialism, and as a result, we have a society that feels entitled to what it receives and does not adequately express gratitude. Provision, whether supernatural or natural, becomes so commonplace that it is easily taken for granted. We believe, subconsciously, that the universe owes us something. So maybe for you, you have a little bit of entitlement, and that's why you're not more grateful. And then the third one is one I think that most of us is where it's at, and that's really the heart of the passage found in Luke 17, is really what I think it is when he points out so emphatically this foreigner, this Samaritan, the point is, is we've become too familiar. 
with just how good God is, how good our nation is, how good our community is, how good we have it. And some of you here are having it relatively in comparison. You've got, you're in a tough time right now. It's tough. It's hard to speak on gratitude because we're all coming from different places. But I think overall, speaking generally, in America, we've become too familiar, too much blessing, too much blessing. Holly and I talk about, uh, we moved to this farm about two years ago, and I can remember being on this farm going, it's a 31-acre farm of rolling hills, and I remember just going, oh, taken back by it. We just walk around it and just be like amazed, and now it's like, hey, did you feed the horse? Yeah, chef, whatever, right? And so we just become a little bit too, too familiar. It's not something that's new. This is not just a 2019 thing. This has been around for a long time. The other day I was at a ball game. That's where my whole life is spent today, uh, these days at a ball games. And I realized that like 80% of the arena was, in my mind, not fully engaged in the Pledge of Allegiance, just based on me just kind of looking around and being observant. And we've become familiar that we get to live in a country like this where I get to talk about the gospel like this publicly. Check out what Abraham Lincoln wrote in 1863. We have grown in numbers, wealth and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Powerful thoughts from Abraham Lincoln. And I got to thinking about this familiarity thing, and I'm thinking about this week. You're going to be exposed to some, maybe some people that you have not been exposed to in a while. And maybe it's a distant aunt, or maybe it's a sister you see once a year. Uh, maybe it's a stepchild. I don't know what it is in your life. You're going to be exposed to some people, probably, most of us, in some way. And in my, my mind, I'm envisioning them walking in the door and maybe us giving them a half hello. Uh, maybe it's like my kids. What's up, Dad? I'm like... I'm a big deal. Like, I brought you into this world. Try it again. Hey, Dad, I love you. And I'm like, yeah, that's what, that's what I'm talking about. But there's going to be people that you're going to be ex exposed to for the first time in a while. And uh, it's a shame to me. It's a shame that uh, people have to go away to the military, go away to service, and be in harm's way for a couple of years to come back to get a really, really, really um, powerful hello so think about this this weekend, or this Thursday. Whenever you're exposed to some of those new people, maybe it's people you see every day. And because of familiarity, you haven't given them the proper honor that is due. I would love it if, and I think Jesus would love it, if all of our hellos come Thanksgiving kind of look like this. Let's check this out together.
that's really the reason we're here. My dad just got back from Afghanistan. Okay? There you go. Pretty cool stuff. You'd be completely shocked at how hard it is to find some of those that don't cuss. So that was a little bit, that was a little bit of a challenge, but um, we did it. Um, so here's the deal. Obviously, man, what you're feeling there when you see that, just seeing gratitude, what it does for our spirit. Imagine showing it the gratitude, right? And receiving the gratitude. So every time that we don't, we're actually sabotaging our own soul, that we don't get to experience what we just, what we just saw. Uh, there are some benefits to being a grateful person, like some psychological benefits to this. And it's funny that psychology magazines and all the self-help books, they all steal it from the Bible. But it's all in the Bible, the benefits of being a grateful person. God wants us to be grateful. He wanted them all to return. So for them, Jesus is pretty secure. He doesn't need 10 thank yous. He wants it for them. He wants them to be whole. He wants them to be well. There are benefits to becoming thankful or being thankful. Number one, quickly, it fuels generosity, which fuels happiness. Proverbs 11.25 says, those who refresh others themselves are refreshed. It's right there. Some of you may be in a bad season right now. The best thing you can do is go out and high-five about 10 or 15 people and refresh others, and you'll be amazed how your mood changes. Refreshing others. In 2007, Robert Emmons began researching gratitude through a psychological lens, okay? The benefits of gratitude, and here's just some of them real quickly. It improves psycho, uh, physical, emotional, and social well-being, a greater optimism and happiness. In my mind, as I was reading through this, I'm like, yeah, sign me up. Yeah, sign me up. I love all of this, right? Greater optimism and happiness. I wrote this in parentheses. Joy doesn't make you grateful. 
Gratitude makes you joyful. It's a big difference. Joy doesn't make you grateful. Gratitude makes you joyful. Improve feelings of connection in times of loss and crisis. Increase self-esteem. Heightened energy levels. Strengthen heart, immune system, and decrease blood pressure. These are all things that have been scientifically proven. Improved emotional and academic intelligence. Who wants that? Hello, right? Expanded capacity for forgiveness. Decreased stress, anxiety, depression, and headaches. Improved self-care and greater likelihood to exercise. A heightened spirituality. The ability to see something bigger than ourselves. Another benefit is just the fact that you're more fun to be around. Who wants to be around somebody who's not grateful, right? Look to your neighbor and say, I'm miserable. (laughs) Now look to your other neighbor and say, man, I'm so grateful. (laughs) Which one's more fun? Which one's more fun to say? Which one's more fun to receive? And so many of us were sabotaging our soul by choosing. Well, we didn't really choose ingratitude. We didn't choose gratitude which by default, we chose ingratitude on accident. So, is there an antidote to this ingratitude? What do we do about that? Chris, you pointed out a big problem, yes, but what is the solution? Here's some things that I thought through. These are things that I'm working in my own life, some things I'm trying to work into my life, into my daily routines, and hopefully it helps you as well. Number one is increase margin. Increase margin in your life. Maybe there's a couple things in your life you just need to quit. Not your job. Don't say that you learned out of church. But look through there and say, you know what? That's an activity that can go. That's my bottom 10%. My bottom 10%. And create some margin. Because where there's no margin, you don't, you don't have it. I mean, your time margin, maybe it's money margin. It's just energy margin, emotional margin. Just make sure you have margin in your life and all spokes to the wheel. Number two, pray for humility. Behind that entitlement, the foundation of that is built on, on pride and a lack of humility. So be praying for a lot of humility. It's not human nature for us. Our our nature is to be self-absorbed. It just is. Our human nature is that we think that the axis of the world goes right through our head and through the bottom of our feet, and everything revolves around us. Number three, accountability that makes you humble. (laughs) Accountability that makes you humble. Those of you that are married, you know what I'm talking about. My spouse, yes, she is this for me. She is very gifted at making me humble. Another one that Pastor Dave told me last night as we were kind of processing this in his journaling, he writes down something he's grateful for every day. That might be a great place to start. What you'll find out is gratitude and ingratitude both snowball. Ingratitude snowballs and gratitude snowballs. They both do. So we got to choose which snowball we're going to build on. So journal small things that you're thankful for, something different every day. Another one is a habit of sharing at every meal, something that you're grateful for. You're going to do it. You're going to have three meals a day. By the way, that's something we're familiar to, right? Oh, three meals a day. It's going to happen, right? Worship music in the car. Yeah, but Chris, I like to listen to whatever, whatever genre. There's, this is not about like, you know, secular music being bad. It's about the opportunity we lose by not worshiping. All that time, how good it felt to express gratitude to God at the beginning of the service and praise his name and throw ourselves at his feet. Those of us that thoroughly engaged we could be doing that in our car with safety, of course. Not both hands, just one hand. Yeah. Might have to do the in here. Anyway, worship is our response. Worship is a way we express our gratitude. Communion, another example of what we just did. Hang around grateful people. Again, it snowballs. You're going to be around. If, uh, if you heard it said when you were a kid before, you hang around with trash, you begin to smell like it, right? 
Well, the same is true on the good side, right? You hang around with great people, it'll just rub off on you. 1 Corinthians 15, says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good behavior. So we want to make sure that we're hanging around with the right people. Start somewhere, maybe even before you leave her today, that you thank a few people. Give them some high fives. I want to thank for what you mean in my life. It's a great place to start as we go into Thanksgiving week. And another thing is to read Psalm 103. Man, I promise you some homework for all of us. Read Psalm 103. It's like the Mount Everest of all Psalms. And I'm just going to read a little bit of it to you, and then we'll be done. This is David speaking. It's later on in his life. He's been through some crazy stuff. He's in a time of his life where he looks back and he realizes the weakness of flesh. He realizes the power of God. He's been through some stuff. Anyone here been through some stuff and you know how good God is? And he's probably, he's got a stylus out and he's writing. He's probably writing this on his knees. When I was in Israel, they said that's where he wrote Psalm 103. So I've actually seen exactly where this was written. It means a lot to me and I would just, just sit back and take this in. I'm just going to read you some of it. Imagine if we were to say this inside of our soul and repeat this in a daily thing that we do. Praise the Lord, my soul. He starts it off with that, and he ends the psalm with that. And that praise means blessed, or it means baruch originally, which just means an absolute reverence. It means an, it's throwing yourself at God's feet. It's everything you've got. He says, praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. He uses the word all throughout the whole psalm because he means it. All of my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. The realist in me couldn't help but say, all your diseases. No, uh-uh. No, what he means there is your diseases of your soul, of your heart, the bitterness. He heals all that inside of us. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. The, the, the psalm goes on and on and on about how good God is. And then it ends with praise the Lord, all my soul. Imagine if we were to just implement that in our lives and let that overtake us. So I know we're thinking about being grateful to God and everything he's done for us. It gets a little heavy. Uh, because of reflection, because of reverence, because of a good, healthy fear of God. But as I started today, I started off saying, hey, holiday hustle. It's supposed to be a two-week light, light-hearted series to kind of relax during the hustle. Chris, you got awfully heavy on us. I want to pull it back up. Listen, this have fun this Thanksgiving. Don't entertain the drama. Listen, conflict is inevitable, but drama is a choice. That was free. Don't answer. Let the monkeys enjoy the circus. You just give a bunch of gratitude. And then when it comes to Christmas, if you didn't get that gift that you wanted, come on. Let's get rid of the entitlement. Let's get rid of the familiarity and just remember how good God is. If you didn't get one gift, let's remember the reason for the season, right? So I want to pull it back up. It's a little bit more lighthearted. And as you're thinking past Thanksgiving, which don't disrespect Thanksgiving, but go to Christmas just for a moment. And think through, this is our, the way that we should view our lives when it comes Christmas and it comes getting presents. Check this out together. I'm alive! I'm alive! Yeah? Yeah! Oh, yeah. Hey, Christine! You're here too! I love you! I know! Dad, what's happening? Honey, the power 
We've got clean water. Oh, that's great. Look at that. Ooh. I bet I know what this does. Bring down the glorious water. Oh, what do we got here, guys? Food. Mm. I love food. Look, I'm, 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 I'm have work. This is awesome. Look, look at him. He, the what? Jack, be careful. Ooh, I have a car. Did you guys see this? Yeah, you have a car. Oh, a car. <laughs> and don't forget your coffee. All right, well, here's the deal. Before you leave here, thank a few people for what they mean in your life, and let's, as Alpine Chapel, be the most grateful people in our communities. Have a great day.